right. That David show right now, we are joined by the executive director of the Chicago Boats Action Fund, Stevie Bias. Uh, follow him at Stevie Bias and follow the fund at Chicago Boats. Uh, Stevie, how are you doing this evening? I'm cool. Chilling. So listen, uh, one, how did the Chicago Boats Action Fund come about? When did it start and why did it start? So Chicago Boats started back in, uh, I think we got our Articles of Incorporation in 2011, 2012, somewhere around then. Um, and basically a bunch of young people wanted to start an organization to give political power to young people. Um, it was kind of this grandiose concept that we're drilling down into some like operational programs now. Uh, but back then it came kind of out of a, well, two things really sparked that. Uh, one, there was a civic health index that was put together by a local foundation in Chicago that said Illinois and Chicago in general has uh, one of the worst participating youth civic populations in the country. Like young people just don't get involved with politics, don't get engaged in civics. And two, 2012 was the first time in I think something like 40 years in Chicago where somebody was going to be mayor whose last name wasn't Daly. Mm. So that index was released around the same time of this kind of political transition moment in the city. So some young people came together like, hey, this seems like a good time to start an organization. And uh, that's kind of how it was birthed. What reasons in particular, what, Chicago and Illinois, are young people or were young people not being active when it came to voting in civics? Did, you, did they find out? Yeah, um, that's a good question. The reasons why are were not really outlined, to be perfectly honest, in the report. But the way that they measured that was by voter turnout, um, the number of people receiving civic education courses in school, the number of people uh, participating in like the legislative process, advocating for laws, holding elected officials accountable. Um, and we ranked lowest in all of those regards. So in order to address that, we started working on laws uh, that we started to pass that made it easier for people to vote in general. Mm -hmm. um, and we figured that making it easier for people to vote in general would ultimately increase youth voter participation. So think, we did things like uh, expanded the number of hours that early voting locations were open, expanding the number of days that early voting locations were open. We passed something called automatic voter registration. So every time you go to get a driver's license, you would automatically be registered to vote or anytime you went to go get state benefits uh, from the Department of Human Services, you would automatically be registered to vote. Same day voter registration. So instead of there being this deadline like a month before election day, where if you didn't register to vote, you couldn't vote at all. We made it so you could show up on election day and register to vote um, on the spot. And the most recent thing that we did was turn the Cook County Jail into a voting location. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but it is predominantly young people and people of color. Uh, I mean, people probably know that it's predominantly people of color in jail, in prison, black people and brown people. But a lot of people probably don't realize that it's a lot of young people in 
jail and prison as well. So turning the Cook County Jail into a polling location gives young people access to vote as well. Um, and it just gives young people interested in general. Doing all of that stuff, we had to write laws, advocate for laws, and ultimately pass laws, which introduced a bunch of young people to that process in the civic uh, engagement ladder as well, if you will. Listen, um, I, oh, please continue. No, but that's it. So, Look, let me ask you this, because I, I want to get to the unlock civics part, because uh, it's, it's really interesting. But I want to ask about the pushback, because first of all, everything that you just said, I mean, I'm, I'm an active voter. Um, this used to be the Dan Davis show, my former host. We always advocate to vote. Um, but what kind of pushback was like from voter suppression? Because I remember being like a kid or a teenager, the fact of getting getting your license and voting being something that certain parties didn't want you to want to take place because they knew that it would be more people voting if you made it easier for people to be able uh, to register to vote. So what's been the pushback from whoever to, to suppress the vote and to stop getting as many people voting because maybe perhaps they're worried about what party they lean towards? You know, that's a really good question. Um, in general, politicians, people who are seeking elected office, prefer to know who their constituents are. They prefer to have a good working knowledge of who they can count on to vote in their districts because it allows them to tailor their message to that specific demographic. And it also allows them to work on behalf of that specific demographic once they hold office. The more people who vote, the more at risk a politician or any elected official who, the more at risk they are of losing their position uh, because the number of people voting expands, thus meaning the number of interests expand and the number of things that people want to have happen expand. Um, Right now, the people who are either explicitly or implicitly disenfranchised are people of color, black people, and poor people. And certain things that are put into place do nothing to encourage those same demographics to have access to the ballot. In fact, they do the exact opposite and they're unnecessary. We don't have a problem with voter fraud in the United States of America. We have a problem with voter turnout. America is the third worst voting democracy in the world. Um, and we disenfranchise more people than any other democracy in the world by way of the legal system. But instead of writing, advocating, and passing laws that would ultimately increase the number of people voting, for some reason, well, for the reasons I just outlined, people are coming up with laws that make it more difficult to vote. Because in order to get an ID, you got to pay for an ID. And that is a voter barrier that's equivalent to a poll tax. Um, to say that you have to come to the voting booth with certain forms of identification that you can't access unless you have money is voter suppression. By not giving people who are in pretrial detention while they're in jail, who still have the right to vote, by not giving them an opportunity to vote, that also is voter suppression. And the pushback we get are around these grandiose things that could potentially happen that ultimately have nothing to do with what's actually happening, which is unfortunate. Hmm. 
That David show right here, we have Stevie Baez, executive director of the Chicago Votes Action Fund. Follow him at Stevie Baez. Follow the fund at Chicago Votes. Look, you just mentioned earlier about turning the Cook County Jail into a voting place, right? Now, did you mean the actual, the, 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 the inmates or people that are in jail, I should say, or actually people that are visiting them? And then also, please break down the, 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 the unlock civics uh, that, that you posted, that was posted on the site, because it was, it was really interesting, especially when you see what Georgia is doing and compared to what you're trying to get done up here in Chicago. Right. Um, so Unlock Civics is a program that we do that essentially operates at the intersection of civics and America's legal system. Um, we organize inside juvenile detention centers, inside the Cook County Jail, as well as inside prisons across the state. Now, it's important in the context of, you know, getting poll a polling location or turning the jail into a polling location to answer your original question. It's important to understand the difference between jails and prisons. Prisons are where you go once you've been sentenced. You've gone to court, you've been found guilty, you're sent to prison to serve your conviction, your felony conviction. People in prison don't have the right to vote in Illinois. Uh, there, in fact, there's only two states in America where people in prison can vote, and that's uh, Maine and Rhode Island. Um, people in jail, however, across the entire country have the right to vote if you're a citizen. However, a lot of people don't know that. You know, people couple jails into that conversation around prison, so much so that here in Illinois, there were election authorities downstate that were turning people's ballots away because they assumed that they weren't allowed to vote because they were in jail. So we at Chicago Votes, as part of our Unlock Civics Initiative, go into the Cook County Jail and register people to vote every month. Pre-COVID, we were registering people to vote every single month. Now, obviously, when you're registering people to vote, the natural conversation that's going to come up is a conversation around how they're going to vote. Um, so we started doing work to make sure that they could vote from inside the jail. And what we learned is, in order for them to have a polling machine inside the jail, we would have to write, advocate for, and pass a law that would turn the Cook County Jail into a temporary polling location. Otherwise, everybody inside the jail would have to vote via an absentee ballot. Now, there's two reasons why we wanted to get a polling machine inside the jail as opposed to just having people vote via absentee ballot. One, with a polling machine, you have access to same-day voter registration. So anybody we didn't get to register to vote during those registration drives that we do every month would be able to register to vote at the actual polling machine on election day. And in jail, obviously, this is a transient population. You have people coming in, you have people being released, you have people being sent to prison. It's impossible for us to register everybody to vote in time for them to actually cast their ballot. The other reason is the, the logistics around making sure everybody's registered to vote, everybody has an opportunity to request their absentee ballot, and everybody is able to get their absentee ballot is just ridiculous. It makes it very difficult for them to vote. And our organization had to spend probably half of our year coordinating this. Um, but turning the jail into a polling location was hugely impactful. We had our first election where the jail was a polling location in March. And the number of people who turned out doubled 
uh, as a result of people being able to utilize same-day voter registration. So it went from 600 voters in the jail to around 1,500, and around 700 of them use same-day voter registration. So it goes to show that this is a meaningful like shift in the way the systems were uh, set up. In addition to turning that jail into a polling location, we passed a law that would require every jail across the entire state to give the people detained there an opportunity to vote. And we require every single prison, jail, juvenile detention center, uh, parole office, whatever, to give people a know your rights guide once they're released so they know that they have the right, right to vote after they're done serving whatever time they have to serve, whether it's in prison on a felony or in jail during their court proceeding. And we also gave them a voter registration form when they got the Know Your Rights guide so they could immediately become an eligible voter. Um, we've done a number of other things under the Unlock Civics umbrella, but I'll stop there because that's already a lot. Look, no, it's not. We want, listen, we want it all. We want, <laughs> being honest with you, this is informative and people need to know this. Look, one thing that you just piqued my interest with. Now, in these other jails throughout the state, will they have to do absentee voting or will they have, a, a, will they have the voting machine in there? Because I know one of the problems is with the absentee vote of not having necessarily an address and maybe you have to have a family member or like, so how, how does that go about in the other jails in the state? Well, all right. So the, the rest of the state is not required to have polling machines. Mm -hmm. The reason we did that um, for anybody who's listening and interested in passing their own law is we knew that we had the support to turn the Cook County Jail into a polling location, but we didn't necessarily have the support to turn every jail in the state into a polling location. So the way we wrote the bill, we wrote the bill to say in counties where there are over 2 million residents, those jails in that county have to turn their jail into a polling location. And the only county like that in the state of Illinois is Cook County. Mm -hmm. um, every other county jail is required to give people an absentee ballot request form and, or at least ask them if they want to vote and then go through that process of giving them an absentee ballot request form and ensuring that they get their absentee ballot. Now, in terms of addresses, we always encourage people to vote from their home address, whether it was before they got booked um, or the address where like they have family members, the community where you want your vote to count, register to vote using that address. And you're allowed to do that even while you're detained at the jail. Some people have been sitting in pretrial detention for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Those people will register to vote more often than not using the actual jail's address, which is also fine. You know, either way, they're voting and their ballot is going to be contingent on whatever address they they use. Um, so that's that's the situation with the addresses. It's really not it's a big deal. You know, some people don't have homes outside of the jail, but you can register to vote and vote using the jail that you're detained at as your home address. Look, let me ask you this. What about the people that would say to you, why do I need to vote? We all have those friends. And how do you, right. you say to convince them? Like there's people and I, I shake my head. I mean, I, I understand their frustration, but I still know that it's better to have 
it's better to participate and it gives me a chance to affect change. It may not be enough change, but it's better to try to affect change than to sit there and complain about it and I'm not doing anything. So how do you convince people and what would you tell people to set voting as a waste of time? Um, you know, honestly, it depends on the mood that I'm in that day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you're right. Like, I understand people's frustration. I always try to start that dialogue by validating their frustrations and just kind of asking them more questions to understand it uh, a little bit more. And then I just offer them insight onto why, as to why I personally decide to vote. Um, you know, me personally, I think it's a great way to be in community with people. Um, it's the way our government is structured. Voting is the only solidified way for we as people to have a voice in how government runs. That's the only way for we as people to get to decide who the players are in government who make the decisions that ultimately do indeed impact our day-to-day -day lives. I remind people that there's more offices to vote for than just the presidential election. Um, a lot of folks get bogged down in voting every four years and Donald Trump and Joe Biden, Barack Obama, you know, these big names when it comes to politics. But the reality is here in Chicago, your alderman is super important. Your state rep is important. This election, we have a state's attorney on the ballot. We have 64 judges on the ballot. And given the context of the political moment we're living in, it's important to vote for those positions. Like the state's attorney gets to decide who to prosecute. So if a police officer is using excess force, and ends up killing an unarmed black person, the political office that gets to decide as to whether or not that police officer is prosecuted and held accountable for those actions is our state's attorney. Um, there's 64 judges on the ballot. Judges are the people who get to decide whether or not somebody goes to prison, whether or not somebody goes to jail. And again, in the context of the racial unrest that we're experiencing in this country, that is a very important position to start to curb the trends of mass incarceration that plague black and brown communities. Um, I also just remind people that it wasn't for none that people fought and died for this right to vote. You know, people weren't just doing that for shits and giggles, excuse my language, but like, right ahead, right ahead. you know, like my grandma marched, was sprayed with hoses, was chased with dogs, like just so she could get the right to vote. Um, so for those three reasons alone, I feel like that's a stronger argument for voting than any argument against voting. I understand the frustration. I understand the worries around my vote not making that much of a difference. But those are not arguments for staying home. Those are just concerns. I have ample ammo to prove why voting is a logical decision. Um, depending on the day, uh, you know, it, 
contingent on the day depends on the argument that you'll hear, I guess. Okay. All right. <laughs> that David show with me right now, you have Stevie Baez, executive director of the Chicago Boats Action Plus. Stevie, one thing, I want to get back into the, the to Chicago uh, Boats, but you just piqued my interest with something I was going to ask you sooner or later. You mentioned your, your grandmother marching. How did you get inspired to do this type of work? What, what led you down this road? Um, I think that it was kind of always in my genes. My grandmother marched. Uh, my father is a pastor and one of those like community organizing type pastors. Uh, my mother is a very like pro-black, Afrocentric, like fight for your rights, you know, stand up to the man type of woman. I can remember growing up when you would walk into my house in Cincinnati, as soon as you would walk up the stairs to the living room, there were three mirrors and each mirror had a silhouette of, one had a silhouette of Nelson Mandela, one had a silhouette of Martin Luther King Jr. And one had a silhouette of Malcolm X. Um, so just that, you know, civil rights, civic engagement psyche was kind of instilled in me at a young age. Um, I jumped into politics, to be perfectly honest, out of necessity. Um, I really needed a job and <laughs> I was fresh out of college. I had no idea what it was that I was going to do with my life. And the first job I got happened to be a political job. Mm. Um, and after working in politics for a while, you know, I, I worked in think tanks in DC. I worked in Congress. I've worked on a gubernatorial campaign, a presidential campaign. Uh, I've worked in the United States Senate and the Texas House of Representatives. You know, I've been on campaigns to advocate for issues. I've ran programs at nonprofits. And after a while of like kind of just surviving and having had all of these jobs trying to survive in general, I developed a pretty healthy working knowledge of how our political system works and ultimately was just like, all right, I understand how these levers work. And I do believe that, you know, if enough people started paying attention and participating in this, we could do something meaningful for communities like the one that I come from. Um, and that is really what keeps me going. I've developed into a bit of a political nerd, unfortunately, for some, fortunately for others, um, depending on the day is whether or not <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I got you. You know, but uh, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life at this point. You know, I talk to a lot of my friends, including Ryan, where we just kind of he always tells me, like, it's really cool that you get to wake up and do something that you genuinely care yeah. about. Like, you know that what you're doing is actually helping people. You're contributing to society. Um, so I do feel blessed in that regard. It seems like it would have to be so fulfilling, man. Like, I'm listening. Yeah. I, I envy you. Uh, that, it seems so, like, to find that and just to grab a hold of it and you know your changes look like, like you said about Ryan. Yeah, dude. Hats off to you, one. All right. Appreciate it, man. All right. So listen, what can we do to one, what should we do individually and what can we do to help the Chicago Action Fund? Yeah. So, you know, you follow us on Instagram at Chicago Votes, Twitter at Chicago Votes, Facebook, just type in Chicago Votes. Um, we always got stuff popping off. 
uh, and we always talk about it on our social media. We host phone banks and text banks twice a week where we're calling young people, encouraging them to be election judges, calling young people, helping them fill out their requests for a vote by mail ballot, given COVID, you know, a lot of people need to vote by mail. We're making sure people are uh, filling out pledges to vote so people don't forget what's going on in this election. And we're talking to people about what they're gonna see on their ballot. We have Instagram live interviews every Thursday night called Shit Talks, where we have dialogue with um, politicians, activists, organizers, whoever, uh, just giving people a platform to talk about the things that they give a shit about. Um, if you're a creative, um, we have a program that's totally, totally tailored towards engaging uh, creatives, um, empowering creatives to make their civic voices heard called the Give a Shit Initiative. Uh, is a collective of creatives called the Give a Shit Collective who meet together, come up with ideas and work together to engage audiences. Um, that's how you as an individual can get involved with Chicago Votes. And just as an individual, educate yourself, you know. Uh, there's only nine states in America that require full year-round civic education. So we have a severely undereducated population in Chicago and Illinois and in America when it pertains to civic engagement. Um, so educate yourself. If there's an issue you care about, education, uh, school funding, um, mental health resources, access to fresh produce, uh, defunding the police, whatever issue you care about, educate yourself on how to go about making that thing come to fruition. Because the reality is once the election comes and you vote, that's only one thing. In order to really make change in your community, you're gonna have to advocate for what you believe in and hold those people who have been elected to serve you as a constituent accountable to the things that you want to see them do. Listen, you mentioned defunding the police. With all the social justice that's taking place, what actions that we don't know about is Chicago uh, voting, the Chicago votes, what, what actions are you taking? Um, what are you doing? Is there anything that's outside of voting uh, that you guys are doing? Uh, where are your guys' stances on defunding the police? Yeah, um, so our approach, is split up into four tiers. Um, and the acronym for it is READ. Uh, we register young people, we educate young people, we develop young people, and we activate them. Actually, I should say that so it actually spells READ. Register, educate, <laughs> activate, develop. Um, so we always try to use that approach for everything. Um, so as it pertains to an issue like defunding the police, two years ago, our first give a shit happy hour was about divesting from police and investing into education. Um, and that was our education approach. We had a number of speakers, we had an open mic night where people came and started talking about all of these different reasons for why we need to divest from police and invest in education. 80 schools, 80 public schools, predominantly on the south and west sides of Chicago, were closed over the span of a year. Um, 
Chicago has the most murders per capita of any major city. Those murders are solved at a lower rate than any major city. And our police force is more funded than any city in the country. Wow. So, you know, we have our communities falling apart and everybody knows that education is a, an important component of our communities. That's just one component that is not being well-funded in our communities. Education isn't being well-funded. Mental health support isn't being well-funded. You can't find fresh produce. The roads look like shit. Like the list goes on and on and on and on around the things that are plaguing black and brown communities. But our city officials just keep throwing money at police mm -hmm. as a means to like solving these problems. And our argument is that is not a logical solution. Like if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, then you are being insane. Um, and we feel that it is only fair that since the police are not doing their job and these communities are still falling apart and young black and brown kids are still being murdered, either at the hands of cops or at the hands of others who are also traumatized living in these communities, then we need to start listening to what these communities are asking for. And instead of putting so much money into the police budget, start putting money into mental health support for our communities, start putting money into our public education system, start putting money into investing in local businesses, including like locally family owned markets and fresh produce. Um, it's just a matter of opening up one's mind and actually doing the hard work and thinking about meaningful long-term solutions and stop trying to throw a Band-Aid on a problem that is that needs far more attention. Um, and right now, the overfunding of the police budget strikes me as that Band-Aid. Mm, I agree with you, brother. Steve Baez, executive, executive director, I should say, of the Chicago Votes Action Fund is with us. Follow him and Stevie Baez, and again, follow the Action Fund of Chicago Votes. Listen, let me get you out here on a lighter note, all right, because you brought the power. I needed the power. You brought the power. Also, you got to come back. All right, we may right. have to around voting time. You got, especially, I'll even put it like this. If there's everything that you want to get out there, and I mean, you got plenty of platforms to do it, please, we would like to be one of them. But let me ask you, right. that. talk a little bit about Chicago's Votes Fashion Month. All right, so let's get the gear out. Yeah. All right, let's get the gear. To get, so people get out here and get the gear and, you know, get the fun. All right. So break that down for us. Yeah, you know, um, we usually do give a shit happy hours, but because of COVID, we can't do them. And the way our happy hours go, uh, we'll have fashion shows, we'll have barbecues, we'll have open mic nights, we'll have hmm. concerts. They're just fun events that anybody would want to go to. And while you're there, you'll pick up some civic knowledge along the way, you know? Uh, we'll always pick a different theme. So this fashion month, the theme is gonna be around pledging to vote. Um, so our creatives have worked with a bunch of designers and a bunch of models to roll out this online uh, digital engagement around, you know, showing off your fashion. And young people love to look good, you know? <laughs> so. While we're doing that, we're going to be elevating the importance of people making that pledge to vote. Um, and by making that pledge, we'll be able to send you timely reminders and get you the information you need 
So when it's time for you to cast a ballot in this election, you'll be knowledgeable. All because you just came to like support your friends or you came to like check out a fashion show. We're just trying to make politics a little less white, boring and stuffy ultimately mm-hmm. and make it more about the people and relative to the culture because frankly it is listen are you you gonna run for office sooner or later like how's this gonna work later down the road bro how, where are you taking this fabulous life of yours because i'm really I'm, bro i'm just chilling right okay. now you know okay. i'm gonna I'm just keep doing the best job that i can do at chicago votes you feel me and i got you Whatever opportunities present themselves, you know, I'm going to pursue them. Uh, that's how I've gotten this far. So I'm going to just keep rocking. You feel me? Uh, yeah, man. If somebody asks me to run for office and they got a million dollars to throw up my campaign, then that's definitely a conversation worth having. Good, because <laughs> that's definitely what, again, do your work with Chicago Votes, but I'm sure this future is going to stay bright. I'm definitely proud of you, bro. Keep doing everything you're doing, man. I look forward to talking to you down the line. Right on, brother. I appreciate you having me, man. No doubt, man. Have a good one.